Hello and welcome to the Schooner Pod. Uh, today we are diving into what we like to call the weekend spread. It is our gambling-focused series uh, that we normally produce about midweek during the season, uh, and we review sort of all the Big Twelve games and some of the more exciting games to uh, to look at, at from a gambling angle. But that's during the season. Right now we're in the preseason. We're in the the talking season, so to speak, because there's nothing that we can really back up right now it's all it's all chitter chatter but what we can do is the preseason odds the preseason favorites and everything else we've broken them up by conference and uh, right now we're going to be kicking the pack 12 if you're new to joining us i'm ty uh, today i'll be joined by jameson and commodore boat and blake are our resident tcu and baylor alum uh, so he represents sort of the rest of the big 12 but our gambling expert as well so welcome blake to the schooner pod Thank you. I like the lead-in that the weekend spread usually focuses on the Big 12 because today we are talking about the Big 12 West Conference. So I'm happy to talk some uh, Pacific Time Zone teams and teams that are going to be a part of the conference in a few years. Yeah, bring up the uh, the tweet that you just sent in our group text about looks like there's a little bit of Big 12, Pac-12 beef right now. Yeah, the Big 12 is just, with our new commissioner, he's going at their throats. He just tweeted out the attendance from 2019, which you kind of have to do because the Pac-12 like basically banned fans for the last three years uh, due to an unknown disease. But um, they he basically tweeted out, <laughs> Bobby, Bobby's raging in the producer room, but... Uh, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, tweeted out all the attendance numbers, and basically the Big 12 just, like, swamps them. Maybe some of the top ones uh, might beat us, but basically, top to bottom, like we knew, the Big 12 is going to be an awesome conference, and once we add these four teams from the Pac-12, it's going to be great, so. Absolutely, and if it isn't obvious, unfortunately, a lot of the talking points are going to inevitably creep into the Pac-12s implosion or I guess explosion because things are going elsewhere. So obviously if you've been under a rock, USC and UCLA, both the LA teams have announced that they're going uh, to the big 10 because they would like to play regular games against Rutgers uh, because that makes sense. So as we mentioned, these teams, as we start to roll into our favorites for the, uh, the PAC 12 here, obviously we're going to be talking about where we think these people might be going. So before we roll into that, we want to thank our sponsors, DraftKings. You can see their name down at the bottom if you're watching on YouTube. And all of our lines and, and recommendations are going to be from the DraftKings lines. We recommend those, obviously, because they do uh, see fit to generously sponsor us for uh, a trivial sum of money every month. Uh, and then we also want to mention right before we roll in that uh, gambling it can be great, but it can also be a problem if you have a problem link in the description for uh, ways to get help. And, and we absolutely do recommend that. So without further ado, uh, Blake, I'll let you sort of take it a little bit here. Who is your favorite to take the Pac-12? We're just going to jump right into the meat right at the start. Yep. So to remind all the listeners out there, the Pac-12 is still kind of divided through divisions. So you have to think about this as who's going to be the representative from Pac-12 North, who's going to be Pac-12 South. So we'll start in the South, the team that I love, and honestly, I have this team making the playoff this year in the fourth spot. Gimme Utah. Utah Utes are a awesome squad, and it's one that I think people, uh, I think kind of got buried last year because they had such a bad start uh, with Charlie Brewer, Baylor, former Baylor quarterback came in and got benched for uh, something that Texas is known for is giving away quarterbacks that end up succeeding in other spots on Cam Rising, and Cam Rising was spectacular last season, that after they lost about two or three games at the beginning of the season, came in, really was the leader of this locker room, and Utah is an excellent brand of football in the Pac-12, where Pac-12, I think, is known for more flashy offenses, West Coast-style football, and Utah is really what Gary Patterson wanted TCU to be the last decade, is this hard-nosed, physical football team that is really, like, they have stars on their roster, but they play as a unit, which I love. And so I have them as my surprise playoff pick because when we get into win totals, I think they're, besides a visit to Florida in the beginning, their schedule's pretty much a breeze. I think they are significantly better than the other team in the South that gets recognition in USC. 
Their offense is great. They return so much talent on that side. They're a really balanced team. They pass. Last year, they threw for 217 yards and rushed for 214 yards per game. Like, just peak balance. Their defense loses Devin Lloyd, which was a huge piece, but they're kind of one of those, like, Gary Patterson TCU defense uh, for all the Big 12 fans out there that really just, even when they lose star players, they just reload. They just find new guys on the roster to fill those spots, and I think with Cam Rising now, we're going to see a 12-1 team that's going to make the playoff. For sure. I think the, the playoffs, obviously, a lot of people, I think, would be looking at them as a dark horse partially because of that schedule in that in that conference. They do have what I would argue is the tougher side of the pack with USC, which we will obviously dive a lot more into. Is USC riding a wave of, of a lot of hype? Probably. Uh, again, sort of diving into win totals. Uh, exactly a month from now, Utah, as you mentioned, opening up their season against Florida, which is really, really exciting. I think they deserve credit for that. I think they'll win that one. But uh, you gotta you gotta give them credit for scheduling because they scheduled this you know before the Florida sort of implosion that uh, has occurred. But you gotta give them credit for scheduling exciting games like that. They're seeking out that competition and they're seeking out that resume to be able to to put those resume points together. So I think you know I really much uh, really much agree with you. I very much agree with you on on Utah. I think you could get into some spicy takes that aren't necessarily even that spicy, saying that. We could be looking at a an undefeated Utah situation. Yeah, but if we're I looking agree. at the uh, over under for win totals, and we're using our DraftKings, I'm looking and I see USC at nine and a half and Utah at nine. So yeah, that's, I I that's saw something that. pretty spicy here. I I disagree with the odd makers here. Like, if I'm looking at it, I think USC's probably priced correctly. Like, this could easily be a 9-3 squad, and I have no problems with it. But, like, nine wins for this Utah team, that was excellent last year. And they're bringing back most of their talent on the offensive side of the ball. Have really, like, each year, it just feels like they're climbing up the ladder of just knocking on the door of a college football playoff bid. They, besides besides USC and besides Florida, those are their two toughest games. And, like, I think uh, after that, they're favored in just about everything. And I think they even came out with that uh, stat today of, like, the projected favorites. There's only six or seven teams, and I believe Utah was one of them. I just think nine wins, like, that's a perfect bet because at worst, they fall way under expectations and they go nine and three and you push. But I just... It's an insanely low win total, I think, in my opinion, for this Utah team. Yeah, I think a little bit of that might be just because of that Florida opener. They're a little bit, you know, intimidated with a tough opener. Um, But catching USC at home in the middle of October, I think, is a really big deal for Utah in terms of their momentum moving forward into the season. Um, I feel like that's kind of like, you know, that game will unlock, you know, the rest of the Pac-12 and we kind of get to see what might happen at the end of the season by the winner of that game. Um, because in terms of momentum, you know, if USC loses to Utah, um, that's tough because, you know, they've got, uh, you know, UCLA and I guess Notre Dame out of conference after that, but still two tough games. So um, that'll be a really fun one to watch. And to be honest with you, um, that's right around the time that Lincoln Riley starts to crack a little bit. So maybe. Uh, for sure. And I think I think this is sort of a natural, obviously we're going to mention Utah a lot more, but this is sort of a natural rolling in point too. What are we thinking about this USC squad? I think I'm so excited for this pod, as even as we're rolling into it, because just all of these bullet points that we have, I think are just hard hitters. You know, I want to hear about the team that can make the playoffs. USC, obviously so many storylines there uh, as we get into them. But what are you feeling, Blake, about the USC Trojans and their chances? Is it potentially a lot of hype? Or are you buying that hype? Is this uh, the beginning of something special down in Southern Cal? I wish I could just be an OU troll here and be like, USC's going to come in, make the playoff, like really make OU fans miss Lincoln Riley, but I can't hear. This is like a casual college football fans like dream. This team is because they basically picked up like, Besides quarterback, all skill positions. They got Travis Dye. They got Jordan Addison, uh, Mario Williams, Caleb uh, Caleb Williams, and just 
decided that, like, on paper, you're like, that is a fantastic haul. And it is. Like, those are very good skill players. And, but you look at the trenches, which I think is one of the, like, is the key focal point to any team. It's the reason why Wisconsin is relevant year to year, even though they're, they don't recruit very well. They have nobody on the offensive line and nobody really on the defensive line either. And so it's basically what he's constructed there is a OU team with kind of their skill pieces without OU's talent on the offensive line. And then I think just a significantly worse defense. Um, their offense is going to do great in this league. Like, let's be honest here. The Pac-12 is really not that deep, really not that defensively heavy. And so they're going to shred teams apart just because of the sheer offensive talent. But kind of like some of Lincoln Riley's teams at OU, I feel like Alex Grinch isn't the guy. Speed defense is not the way. You need power defense. It's always been that way. There's a reason why, like, SEC teams aren't adopting that model. And I think that kind of leaves them vulnerable. So they'll probably win nine games just off of sheer offensive talent. But when you're talking about those those in-the-trenches games, when you have a Utah, like which is basically the antithesis of your team, I don't like USC in those games. I just don't think the speed defense thing works. I don't think they have anybody on the lines, both sides of the ball, that can really help them win. I could not agree with you more, Blake. Specifically one of your last points there with mentioning that USC – and Utah are almost complete opposites when it comes to how do I want to build a program? And I don't want people to jump on me for this take, but they, because obviously they can't, they would if they could, but Utah is trying to build that stereotypical sort of SEC national championship team where they may have some stars. And I mention this all the time with, with Alabama, they don't have to have a star quarterback to win it. In most cases, they focus a lot more on the other positions. You're, they're building the fundamental team. And then when I look at USC, you know, obviously there's some inherent bias here as an OU fan, but I almost see it as the ultimate Lincoln-Riley team. And I think it's because USC, obviously, you know, they haven't even had a full year, a full season there. It hasn't even gotten into recruiting. So a lot of transfers coming in. I, I don't think you can argue that they have sort of won the transfer portal this offseason if you want to term it in that way. But it's almost this every stereotypical Lincoln-Riley trait turned up to a thousand. So it's a, just a hundred percent focus on a handful of flashy skill players. Nothing else matters. I, I, the offensive line sort of doesn't apply to this because obviously Lincoln Riley had some very good offensive lines at Oklahoma, but then just the defense, let's just make it smaller, faster, less fundamental. It doesn't make any sense to anyone that's any sort of reputable defensive expert in football. So it will be really interesting to see. But like you said, this is the Pac-12 that we are talking about and it's not it's not like they're going to be facing a whole lot of difficult stuff although there are as we continue to dive deeper into this conference i think there's we're going to see that there's a lot of parity within this conference it will be a very internally competitive conference i think i'll call that now but yeah when when we're looking at who could win the conference or who is is going to be odds to win the conference um just to, to mention it again, because we are trying to do podcast format. USC is at plus 200 right now. I have them on DraftKings, uh, which is slightly below Whoa. Utah. Utah at plus 280. So Utah uh, tied with the next team that we're about to dive into, I'm sure. But yeah, USC, yeah. I, I don't know if that's I, – I think that's a, a short, to use a financial term there. I would not I would not take those odds. I don't think they should be the, the favorite. It's just a hype. It's for all the casual fans. And like – just one more point on this, like, even though Transfer Portal, like, is going to be a big deal in college football going forward because it's an easy way to plug some of the holes that you have on your team, but it's not meant to rebuild a single team in one year. It can accelerate that, but we're going to see it this year with USC, I think. They just don't have depth. It's like injuries happen, but they've allowed Oregon basically to set up shop in Southern California the last five years, take all their good prospects, and even if they filled some of those with the transfer portal, if one of those guys gets hurt, they have nobody behind them filling them just because the recruiting classes have been so bad. So don't buy this number. Like, I just don't. Like, USC, like, it's just, even if you believe they're going to make it to the Pac-12 championship, these are horrible odds. They are by far not the best team in the Pac-12. Do not buy this. Yeah. I, I think that it's really key that you made a good point here, that um, the transfer portal is a huge part of college football nowadays. And that's how a lot of people are almost having the second level of recruiting. 
of getting these guys in after their first or second year and, you know, after they graduate and filling in spots on your roster that could use a little bit of an improvement. But this is not like the NBA and free agency where you can go out and sign a completely new team and then make, you know, the finals the next year. You know, if we're going down the depth chart of USC, I think there's probably eight out of the 22 of them are, of their starters are going to be transfers. That is a lot. And there is a lot to learn of a new scheme of a whole new coaching staff as well. So just to like think that even if they were all great players, obviously there's going to be some hiccups in terms of getting along with each other, um, getting to know how each other play, and also learning a new scheme within a year's time. That a lot of people at OU saw that a lot of our defensive backs and defense as a whole – these really skilled guys couldn't grasp Grinch's defense and got overwhelmed and completely shot all their confidence down. So I'm very, very skeptical of USC because all their starting wide receivers should be transfers out of their three deep. And then their quarterback and running back, um, all of their offensive line pretty much um, will be returners. But there three of them should be redshirt seniors. And we already were making fun of them the past couple of years about how poor of an offensive line they are. So they unless they made a huge recruit jump. on that line, one exactly. blue chip recruit, like that's nothing mm-hmm. for a school yeah. like USC. Like, yeah, it's it's going to be bad. And and the defense, and there's nothing really to talk about the defense because last year was an absolute embarrassment. Um, you hope for the best, but you know there is a um, familiar face in Xavier and Alford um, on the secondary at safety who transferred in from Texas to USC that I'm really excited to watch him burn in USC if that happens this season. Yeah, quick point on USC as we roll into, uh, I guess the the Pac-12 North is probably the natural avenue for this conversation to go, but USC, very bold decision. When you go to their website and look at their schedule for next year, they have included the championship game already on there as one of their games. No, 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 no. (laughs) You got to. No, no, no. It's a bold move, Cotton. Uh, But when we're looking at the Pac-12, I think that we've sort of, Again, it's a divisional conference, unfamiliar to a lot of, of Big 12 people. They're trying to rack their brains and come up with, with the last time that OU was playing in a divisional conference and, and we were playing Nebraska, which is weird because we're playing them now this year. But uh, we talked about Utah, who I think we all agree is is the favorite. And when we're looking at the gambling lines, again, sort of keeping the gambling focus here, the fact that they're not the number one favorite in a lot of odds makers' minds right now makes that, you know, a, a very serious thing to look at when you're looking at seriously putting some money into into the conference odds. But then we started talking about USC. I don't think that they are the second favorite, at least in my opinion. So I think we need to to pan this conversation and uh, slew our gaze up to the Pac-12 North and maybe look at who could be the next actual contender for for that conference championship. So with that, Blake. I'll let you state the obvious. Yep. So the obvious pick here, and it's not even close, this team is going to be in the Pac-12 championship, which makes them valuable just for a hedging opportunity, even if you don't believe in this team. But Oregon's going to be there. Uh, I don't care if Mario Cristobal went to Miami. They brought in Dan Lanning, who I think is an excellent coach. Uh, the Really, the only knocks against him is that he took some of the best recruits in the nation and created a defense that we've never seen before in college football. And so, yes, like Alabama, all these, Clemson, all these schools get these great recruits, but Dan Landing did something with them that we've never seen before. And that Georgia defense last year was absolutely insane. Uh, so I think this is honestly a great fit because Oregon's identity over the past few years uh, shifted away from kind of the Chip Kelly, oh, let's just like run up 70 points, let's win by just outshooting them, to actually focusing on things that matter. They focused on offensive line, defensive line. We saw Kayvon Thibodeau go in the top five this year, top five, top six, but uh, they really put a focus on offensive and defensive line, and I think Dan Landing's going to uh, continue that, but People forget last year, Oregon was the number three team going going in to like the final few weeks of the year and then just lost three of four. Like they were a very good team. They went into Ohio State's house and even Ohio State on a bad year, which won the Rose Bowl, was able to defeat them. So I think this is still a pretty solid team. It wouldn't be the weekend spread if we didn't mention this though. 
There is a man that could be starting for them at quarterback. One that has oh, featured Lord. many times on this program. <laughs> no. And he's currently in a three-way quarterback battle, but we might get Pac-12 after dark with Bo Nix, the man himself. No. Which <laughs> I would worry about maybe in the big games. Like, Bo Nix loses <laughs> you two, like, meaningless games, but wins you that big one. Like, he's kind of one step forward, two, spe- two steps back. And... <laughs> I that like we have to mention like that should be a disclaimer along with the one eight hundred numbers on betting Oregon like you got to deal with the Bo Nix factor this year because he at times can be abysmal and I bet he gets the start looking at the other guy Ty Thompson he's a former five star dual threat great guy but I just feel like they wouldn't have brought in Bo Nix if they weren't going to at least start him at the beginning of the season uh but I, they're just the odds on favorite out of out of the Pac-12 North, they returned their entire defense. They lose Travis Dye at running back, but gain Bo Nix. So, who knows what this team, like, actual national outlook is, but I think it's just the odds-on favorite to win the North. For sure. I wouldn't say that Bo Nix is necessarily making a deal with the devil at quarterback, but I would say that he is could probably be characterized as, as the quarterback equivalent of a predatory payday loan. Or something like that. Like, sure, <laughs> might might do something oh, no. good real immediately, but you're going to be paying for that after. Yep, he can so. get you out of that jam against yeah. like a really big conference opponent. Like we've seen against Alabama, we've seen against like these good SEC schools. But like, my God, will this man struggle against South Carolina at 11 a.m. on <laughs> on a Saturday oh, morning? My. So. I completely forgot they played Georgia the first game of the season. Yep, too. Yep. That is like so Bo Nix. Gonna... He's going to come in and absolute just like look like a beast. Everyone's going to be like, oh, man, this is the Bo Nix that we thought. This is the guy that was the best quarterback in his class. You know, Spencer Rattler. Oh, come on. Yeah, he was totally overhyped. We always knew Bo Nix was the best quarterback in the class. He's going to go mess around with Georgia. And then, oh, there's <laughs> Bo Nix. Uh-oh. <laughs> Who's their next game after that? Because they're probably guaranteed at least going to... Eastern Washington. They're going to cover the spread. (laughs) They're going to cover the spread. (laughs) But then they got BYU after that, which might be a fun game, but it's still at Oregon. Yeah. I don't know. I I think, and I was watching a lot of of Pac-12 stuff to sort of prepare for this, and there are a lot of people out there that are buying the hype that Oregon is going to beat both Georgia and BYU, which I think might be biting off a little bit more that they can chew. But yeah, quick shout out to Oregon for having, uh, I think they have one of the best schedules in college football uh, this year. They It's certainly on the tougher end, extremely tough for a Pac-12 school. So you got to shout them out for that and scheduling some really good opponents. But I think I think with, with Oregon, I don't know if they're going to be a, a winner. Certainly I wouldn't look at them as a playoff contender, but – when I'm looking at at competing for the Pac-12, they're certainly up there with uh, the who I would be taking from the North for sure. Also, we got to keep injecting this into the podcast. Uh, are they writing their resume to go elsewhere? I've been seeing a lot of chatter about Oregon going to the Big Ten next. So all these teams could also be writing their resumes for exit options. I don't, I'm just going to bring this up here, and this might be a larger topic for another podcast, but as the Big Ten, why the hell are you not taking Oregon? You have Rutgers and all these other bum teams that just siphon off of your paydays. Why don't you kick a few of those guys out and bring in Oregon, which actually like has probably a lot of t-shirt fans just because of their flash, and has the Phil Knight like, money banks behind it to fund this program. Like Oregon has been so relevant in football the last 10 or 15 years. Like, even when they had the Willie Taggart stuff, they bounced back and redone their identity, but still have that cool brand. Why are you not bringing this team over? So, I... Oh, wait, North to South doesn't matter anymore? I guess what? that's what Bobby says. That's completely oh, no. throws everything out of the dirt. Yeah, get, get in the trenches. But let me talk about Oregon, because um, there's no doubt that they are a good stock to invest in right now. In the times of NIL... A lot of OU fans have seen it. We're losing people to Oregon because they're getting paid. You know, they're the Texas A&M of the North in terms of paying athletes to come and play for them. Ashton Cozart, Exhibit A, you know, comes out of, like, goes out of nowhere. And it's like, OU seems to be, like, his favorite, like, for the longest time. You know, he made it through the Lincoln transition. 
and uh, then he's gone to Oregon. So I think that's a team that will slowly continue to get better, and especially if you put it in a very good environment in a succeeding conference, uh, that might be a team that doesn't make any sense why USC and UCLA were really the first choices out of that. And Bobby has notified us that it is the two best teams that they've got away from divisionless football. Whoa. But <laughs> I will still say this. Oregon has a significantly easier conference schedule, I think, than USC. I'm still taking them. I just don't I don't buy the USC hype. I really don't. Like, the two teams that they're going to struggle with most, if they play them, is going to be... So they're going to play Utah, but if they put Oregon in the championship game, they're too physical of teams. And like we talked about, I like physical brand of football in a conference that plays like a whole bunch of like pansies and just spreads it out all the time. Obviously, we knew about the divisions. We were just dividing it up for the listeners. Of course, and, yes. And for our own. It's... We are in a very organization-focused <laughs> uh, pod here. But I, I think, you know, like we mentioned rolling into this quick segment on Oregon, Oregon and Utah are, I think, the two expected teams for sure. They are I, – I think Oregon, maybe it shouldn't hurt them, but we all know that it, it, tend to, it tends to hurt you sometimes. Uh, when you have those non-conference losses, Oregon with a much more difficult non-conference schedule than USC, for example, who does play Notre Dame, uh, which I think they will lose. But Oregon could suffer from having potentially, I think, probably two losses in their non-conference schedule, and, and that maybe could hurt them a little bit. Yeah, but, but that hurts them more for, like, playoff stuff. It won't, like, it doesn't affect your conference, like, what happens there. Well, Isn't yeah, like that's true, but now? it's... You know, we tend to, yeah, I think that could factor into to some conversations. I'm not entirely sure, but, it, you know, you have that snowballing effect sometimes when a team, because Oregon's, they're right out at the start. They're looking at, at you know, potentially loss, win, loss, and then they're rolling into the rest of their season, already a two-loss team. So uh, with that being said, who else do we have when we start to look at still just very briefly on winning the conference? Uh, who are we looking at as maybe some some real dark horses here? I know I'm really thinking about my Arizona State Sun Devils. No, I know to be no. sympathetic towards them. <laughs> Their chances of winning are low, but never zero. Uh, they are practically zero. They are practically zero. And a half. <laughs> they are... <laughs> Oh, if we want to go into Oregon or Arizona State now, we can because Arizona State's going to be absolute trash this year. Basically, everybody's transferred away from that program because, like, the NCAA might come with a hammer down on them. And Herm Edwards is basically just like the only reason why he has a job there is because he's best friends with the athletic director, and his best friend best friend doesn't want to fire him. But honestly, hot take: I think they're going to be worse than Arizona this year, which is stunning that that's that is hot now that, that is, is a hot no, i think i i i truly believe like i'm uh, we're seeping into win totals here but i'm slamming under six and a half wins for arizona and slamming or under arizona state and slamming over like i think arizona's so, the better team this year i just and jane daniels is at lsu now right that's like yep. the big deal yeah, and, like, it, it was such a dysfunctional program. Basically, Jaden Daniels' mom was calling all the shots and, like, demanding all these things for him, and her son <laughs> sucks at playing football, and now he's going to be, like, the four-string like four string quarterback on LSU's roster. Like, oh this God. is the most dis dysfunctional program in the Pac-12. I have no faith in them. This, I, uh, if we look at their schedule, I can pull it up in a second, but I can see them being, like, a three-win team this year. I really truly believe that. <laughs> that is that is rough from someone currently wearing a Colorado shirt. Yeah, so they're gonna be <laughs> okay. So they're gonna beat. We know they're gonna beat Northern Arizona, Eastern Michigan. Those are locks. I'll give them that. But then, like after it, I'll like I'll give them the wins at Stanford, Boulder, Arizona, maybe. Like, that's only five wins, I and I could see Stanford beating them. I don't really see Boulder beating them this year, but I think Arizona could also beat them as well. Like, I just see this team having maybe, like, four or five wins and not get close to a bowl game at all. Arizona State, got to mention, too, before we roll into uh, Blake's dark horse to potentially win the Pac-12, does play at Oklahoma State on September 10th. Ooh. 
Wait, hold up. Juicy. Uh, I just looked up. I did not know who their new quarterback is. Is Emory Jones there now? Oh my gosh, he had to go somewhere. I just had no idea where he went. Like, I felt like nobody picked him up out of the transfer portal for a while. Oh my god, he better start now. That would be fun. We said so many bad things about Emory Jones as a quarterback the past couple of years. Oh my goodness, he. I, I think he is there. Yeah, because Emory Jones was holding up the uh for the holding up the spot for future future Heisman winner AR fifteen or oh, we're not allowed oh, to say that can't say that anymore. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Emory Jones is trash. This only this only solidifies that they're probably only going to win three <laughs> games this year. I think they're so bad, Ty. I know you like their brand. Didn't you go there once and really liked <laughs> their campus and stadium? But they're trash. They're trash, man. I've been there several times. I take a, a a weirdly large number of vacations to Arizona. But <laughs> oh, I like, thought you were about to say weirdly a lot of online courses there, just because I know no, like ASU no. is like I, here's they, like, here's how I know them. here's how I know that Arizona State could uh, they might be in some trouble. I, I looked up Arizona State schedule uh, twenty twenty two, and I had to go all the way down to the bottom of the the Google recommendations before football even came up. It was all academic schedules, and they are not an academic school, Whoa. so that is not that is not a good sign uh, when football is lower than academics. But Blake, if you had to pick someone, not named Utah, not named USC, not named Oregon, to potentially win the Big Twelve or to potentially win the Pac twelve, Freudian slip because they might be going to the Big Twelve, uh, who would that be? I'm gonna go with Washington. Washington brings in Ooh. Fresno State coach uh DeBoer who I thought was very good very good at Fresno State and obviously has shown can beat Pac-12 uh powers as they beat UCLA last year at UCLA with a significantly less talented roster but y'all might not know who the quarterback is for Washington oh yes it's not only (laughs) it's none other than Dirty Michael Penix Jr. No, no! Penix is back. He's not at Indiana anymore. He is at Washington. And look, this team has always had probably the best or second best defense in the Pac-12. So it's going to keep them in some games, but their offense has been atrocious the last five years. But if you back Michael Penix in a quarter... He can get you out. That's what he did with Indiana when he's healthy. That's the big, like, big asterisk next to Michael Penix. When he is healthy, that man is tearing ACLs like no other. He's on his fourth ACL now, but my God. Is he going to start over Sam Heward? I think so. You, the, uh... I know the DeBoer coached him in Indiana when he was there. So I have a feeling like he's like, he's in the coach's ear. If he's somewhat decent, he's starting. The Michael Penix effect. Yeah, Jameson, I I guess you weren't aware. Every single, not every single, almost every Pac-12 quarterback this year is a running sort of meme or storyline from college football. Obviously, we don't know if Bonex is starting, but... Bonex, Phoenix, Emory Jones, like we said, Caleb Williams. It, it's DTR. So many DTR. DTR. Tenth year senior. Tenth year senior. Continuing to play. Said he wanted to stay at UCLA to learn how to be pro ready, whatever that means. Uh, because I don't think he's learned at UCLA. I think, I seriously, at this point, I think DTR might be the starting quarterback uh, when they're in the Big Ten. Uh, but yeah, every single, <laughs> let me just pull up a list real quick to make sure I'm not missing anyone, but yeah, or, or Oregon, all of the PAC 12 just has these hilarious quarterback situations and it is, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun to watch. And like we talked about again, top to bottom, uh, competitiveness. And, and at least this year, they're going to be putting out a, an interesting, if not slightly niche product. Is it going to be the best football Probably not, but if you're a hardcore fan of college football and you follow these sort of funny storylines with guys like Onyx or you just latch onto a player because they have a name that's fun to say, like Phoenix, uh, it's kind of funny to watch a game where there's just terrible quarterback play and you can sit there and, and text or talk to your friends and make Phoenix puns. Yeah, it really sucks, though, the Pac-12 having a network that is only on, like, two different, like, 
cable slash streaming services that you can watch because you will have great games like UCLA Fresno State where Jake Hayner's balling out versus the Bruins, but they shove it on the Pac-12 network at 10 o'clock at night and there's no way you can watch it. There is no way and you're just kind of stuck with that. So this is why this conference needs to be liberated and join the Big 12. Jameson, before we roll into our next segment, do you have a dark horse that you would like to mention? Absolutely not. I would like to just <laughs> stay away from all of these gross teams. Whenever we're starting talking about dark horses and Blake brings up Michael Penix as his possible dark horse, I said, ooh, there's no more scraps for me. All the, mile, all the mice are taking everything. <laughs> we're done here. Okay, well, with that, before we roll into our next segment, I do want to real quick say that football fans, DraftKings changed the fantasy game forever in 2012. Now, 10 years later, 10 years from 2012, they're doing it again. Rainmakers football, their first ever NFT fantasy game. A new way to enjoy daily fantasy football. A new shot to win millions of prizes in the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contests all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, craft your lineup of athletes, form your NFT collection, and rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more like you would in daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TPPN right there at the bottom of the screen, TPPN. Click the Rainmakers title and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions in prizes all football season and build the ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. So with that, I'm so excited for Rainmakers football NFTs with promo code TPPN. But we've sort of been talking about it this whole time. Right now is is that time in the pod where we're just going to start to dive into just interesting teams. This is almost an a la carte free-for-all. Mention the teams you want to mention real quick, and then it's going to naturally roll into keep listening because we're going to dive into those juicy win totals. So we already talked about a little bit. I think we all know my most interesting team is Arizona State. I love the sloppiness. I love the the funny storylines. I love not caring about a program as I watch it implode uh, because it seems all too often with the Thunder and with OU, I have to witness implosions firsthand that I'm emotionally attached to. So Blake, do you have anyone that's sort of most interesting, a team you're going to be watching, maybe a team that you're looking forward to, to picking a few lines here and there, or a team that's just exciting to watch this upcoming season? Yeah, I'm going with my guys in the Spooky Beavers out of Corvallis. And as CEO Bob said in the, uh, in the comments, USC could be on upset loss in Corvallis. Who knows? Because honestly, this team is great offensively. We saw it last year. Incredible. They suck defensively, like really bad. But you know what? Like a lot of Pac-12 teams don't have great defenses. So you can kind of get in shootouts with them. I love the energy that comes off on their team. I remember going to a TCU-Oregon State game the year where TCU made the Rose Bowl way back in the day in Jerry's World. Great fans. Had the best alternative logo with the all black and gray beaver, the spooky beaver. I just like their offense. Like, I like the energy around them. They were a 6-6 six six team last year. I feel like that school is constantly the underdog, whether it be basketball, whether it be football. I like their scrappiness. We like scrappiness on their pod. So, I'm taking spooky beavers. Absolutely. In Oregon State, we were this close to greatness. Oregon State almost had JT Daniels as their quarterback. It sort of fell through last minute, uh, but that would have just been the icing on the cake of the, the funny quarterback storylines. Uh, Jamison, do you have anyone that's sort of interesting to, to watch in the Pac-12? Jamison is shaking his head no. I, I assume that means well, no. It, the rest of the Pac-12 just is kind of boring, to be completely yeah. honest with you. Like, the ones that we haven't mentioned already, like Washington State, no uh cal does anyone even pay attention to cal football 
Uh, Cal won't have a football team in 10 years, I don't think. Like, I think they're just going to be like, screw this. We honestly, like our liberal academics, and that's it. I, I mean, it's pretty top-heavy for me. I mean, I'm interested to see what UCLA does this year, um, to be honest with you. Eight and a half at the win total, that's pretty high, you know? Um, can they kind of build some momentum and become like a legitimate team? Um, but I'm quite skeptical of that. Yeah, exactly. Like the re- oh, the reason why I didn't put UCLA here is they're just not a sexy team. Like you think Chip Co- Kelly coaching a team, you expect them high-powered offense. They honestly are just really steady now. They beat the teams they're supposed to. They lose to the teams that are better than them, and that's how I think last year they're eight and four. It's just like very steady, and I hate that for Chip Kelly. I miss the Oregon days when you would see across the ticker on the bottom that was like, oh, uh, Oregon is beating this random FCS team 90-0 to zero in, the, in the first half. Like, I miss that. Where is that at UCLA? Least sexy team of the pack. I, I'm i not on UCLA bandwagon at all this year. Like, DTR, you expect him to be a sexy quarterback. He is the most boring dual-threat quarterback you'll ever watch. Or a single-threat, sorry, you can't pass, so single-threat quarterback. But I, that's why you beat You beat me to the punchline. I was thinking the exact same thing. That's why UCLA is not being featured on this segment. I'm sorry. If I recall, I think like last year before the season, was it you that was trying to argue with me that he was an accurate quarterback? Yes, the stats showed it. The stats, the advance. I got, I got in the data, in the spreadsheets. The analytics backed it up, and it probably still does. But I need to remember, I got a set of eyes too. The numbers aren't all that matters because, yeah, he's just like, he's just DTR. There needs to be a DTR award after he graduates in ten years of just like most average, like below average quarterback. But we talk about him all the time. Sounds like Spencer Rattler. Uh, when I Ooh. when I look at UCLA, what I see is if you were to take an Adam Sandler movie and turn it into a football program, everyone knows all the names involved, right? You recognize all the names involved, the quarterback, the coach, the actors. You recognize all the names. You don't really care for any of them. None of them ever really do anything that good. You think that maybe it was good back in the old days, but you don't want to test it because you know if you go rewatch, it's probably not going to be that amazing. And you see it coming out with new stuff, but you don't really care. Uh, so, you know, like, how the hell is Kevin James still so acting? <laughs> exactly, he's the DTR of acting. Give that man the DTR award for acting. But uh, yeah, but uh, on a on a sort of bigger point, uh, Jameson, I was hoping you were just going to give me a flat no. I'm not interested in anyone uh, in well, the Pac-12 because I it. think that's but that's generally the the thing. You know, we you we're sort of searching for content to sort of squeeze it out there but you look at the pac 12 and you see oregon who you know is riding on a lot of brands name potentially they could be good utah who is most probably fundamentally sound but just doesn't excite anyone no one really cares they're not even the biggest program in their state uh and then uh usc who's just riding on i think a lot of hype and in flashy names and a lot of money being thrown around and I, I don't really see an entertaining product. The two most, I guess, Oregon, I would say, is, is probably the most entertaining or the best product and and draws probably some of the best out of the pack for a fan base caring about football. But you really have to find it. And I think that's, we're starting to see why this conference is imploding. Couple that with just terrible business decisions on the conference side. And here we are. So I think there are some exciting programs, like we mentioned, that hopefully we will get to talk about well into the future with, potentially the Arizona States and uh, my beloved and potentially Blake's beloved. He's got a Colorado shirt on uh, Colorado Buffaloes and, and other teams going elsewhere, but uh, we will see. So with that, I think I want to roll into just sort of firm cut it off and roll into what are we thinking on the win total segment? So just to clarify, this one's a little differentiated as a segment from the winners because there's a lot of really good win totals down near the bottom potentially, and a lot of more difficult ones at the top. So with all that, uh, Blake, who are you looking at is, is sort of your best team? What's your best win total line that you're looking at? Yeah, we've kind of covered most of mine. Uh, Utah over nine wins. I think the 12-1 go to the playoff. That's a pretty easy payday. Like when you can see three wins of value, I'm taking that every single day. Arizona State under six and a half. I'm only seeing five wins on their schedule. So give me a one and a half buffer 
I'm taking that all day long. They have the best uniforms, though, I think. I love the branding of uh, Arizona State. I love their, the, it's not even a retro, like, logo, because they use, like, the little Sun Devil all the time, but I think it's, like, one of the best logos in college Mm -hmm. football. Uh, Arizona over two and a half wins. Um, I think they get this in September. I think this cashes so dang quick that this isn't even a future because you don't have to wait long for your money to come in. They open up at San Diego State. We know they're beating those bums. The San Diego State, bunch of bums, only a punter team, <laughs> not making it far, win. And then they play Sandy, uh, North Dakota State, which a lot of people are like, oh, they're the best in the FCS. Oh, yeah. They're, okay, the FCS, there is a huge step, I think, between FCS and FBS, especially Power 5. I know North Dakota State beat Iowa State that one time, and people are like, they could be good. See what James Madison is doing right now in the Sun Belt. They're projected to be, like, second to last in their division. They aren't on the same caliber. caliber. Don't even get me started. There's two wins right there, and then they play Cal that same month, and they just don't care about football anymore. Like, Cal can't score points, and they have a great defense, so if you can score one touchdown, you are safe. That's three wins. Cash is the over right there. Even if it bumps up to three, three and a half, I'm still taking it because they still have Boulder on their schedule. They still have Washington State on their schedule and at home versus Arizona State. So I think two and a half wins. This is an awesome value. And lastly, just for the memes, under nine and a half USC. I'm not buying the flash. Like, they're kind of like the Lakers. The Cowboys, the Yankees of sports, right, of college football right now, in the sense that they are getting so little value just based on their name. Like, they know that people are going to be placing bets on them. So, sports books are going to artificially just make those odds crap. So, nine and a half, I think they lose to Notre Dame. I think they lose to Utah. And then, if it's like any other Lincoln Riley team, they're going to struggle to a random team in the middle of the year that you expect them to blow out. And they just end up struggling. So, there's your there's your three losses right there. They don't make it to the Pac 12 championship to make it up. So, give me the nine and a half. For sure. Real quick, uh, South Dakota State, they cannot be discounted. Little known fact uh, they have an aircraft fleet North, over North Dakota, 100, or North or North Dakota, Dakota State. State. Yeah. They have an aircraft fleet over 100, one of the largest uh, air forces in the world, potentially. So if they could find a way to leverage that, uh, maybe something sneaky. But yeah, not uh, not a whole lot at the top, really, that I'm seeing either. When I start to look at those really high win teams, I love taking the under on USC. You know, I think that's an emotional win as an OU fan. Uh, but I think it's also a, a relatively smart decision, like we have been talking about. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of storylines, a lot of flash in your eyes to those teams. But I don't think when you get past that flash that there's a whole lot of fundamental stuff there. And that's not to say that they won't potentially develop into a, a great program, but it's not a, an instant thing like we talked about much earlier on. You can't just bring a bunch of big names from the transfer portal and throw them all in there and be like, all right, like time to go win a national championship. It's not how it works. It takes a long time to, to get to that level. Um, other things that are jumping out to me, I kind of like uh, taking a UCLA under. They're at eight and a half for their win total. And I just feel like I feel like eight is is a potential good ceiling there for a team like we talked about that is hanging on to the fact that they have a quarterback uh, who people just know his name because he's been there forever and a coach that has not been successful there and continues to – I guess, remain at his post simply because, uh, you know, seven to 10 years ago, he had success at a, a different university and truly a different era of college football, not to uh, not to demean them. But I think that's that's just how it is. Uh, I almost think one of the most competitive ones is Colorado at three and a half. And I think maybe just because of emotionally, I, I, I like that know. team. I think a lot of people, a lot of people maybe I, like the under, but I am I'm known for constantly saying that Kansas will win at least four. And Colorado is Kansas of the North, and uh, I, I have Colorado to win four, so I certainly wouldn't put any money on that, but that's one that jumps out to me. Colorado, the problem is they draw a really tough non-con schedule. They have TCU, which I think TCU is like a 6-6 six and six team, but still a hard team, and then they have to play Air Force, and I'm just all over Air Force this year, so... No, 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 stay away. But <laughs> and I do like UCLA in the most... Chip Kelly fashion, they schedule three nobodies as their non-con. So, I but so you like a nine, 
You like no, a I, so they play like wins? three. No, they play like three nobodies, but then they have to play Utah, Oregon, USC, and so that's kind of rough. And you don't expect them to win every other. Like, there's so some how many? They're gonna how many do you there. have them winning? Like max eight and four. They're like last year eight and four. So, so that's that, why I like if, it. Yeah. So their their odds are eight and eight point five. Yeah. No. They? Yeah. yeah, so I like the under. I like, so the, under. like the under. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, they, yeah. Like, it looks deceiving <laughs> because they schedule the nobodies, but then it's like they kind of have to play the best. They have to play Washington, Utah, Oregon, USC, and those are the four best teams in the Pac-12. And I don't think they might take one of those, but they're going to drop one to, like, Stanford. So, Jamison, looking at these draft king, uh, draft Kings win totals, anything jumping out to you? Yeah, I like over nine on Utah as well. I'll hit the over eight and a half on Oregon just because all of their tough games on the season are at home. So, you know, I, I guess in term not in terms of Georgia, but, you know, BYU, uh, that's a game that I'm really, you know, thinking that could go either way and they should be the favorite in. Uh, UCLA's at home, uh, Washington's at home, Utah's at home. Uh, a lot of those tougher games within the conference are at home. So um, that's going to be really helpful for them. I think eight and a half is a good number to go over on that. All right. So I think, it, again, there's not a whole lot here. There's a, a bunch of big punchy points up at the start. But I think right now is the time to roll into, uh, as we start to wrap up the pod here, the the two games that we're each most excited about. So for for situational awareness for the listeners, for the viewers, we're going to break into our game that we're each most excited about, and that's going to be our game that should be good football, maybe national relevance, things like that. And then we're going to dive into what we call our sickos game that we're most excited about. That's the one that's maybe just the grossest matchup at the weirdest time or the weirdest matchup or the funniest matchup in some way. It doesn't have to be good football. In fact, when we're looking at the sickos game, the sloppier, the better sometimes. So, uh, with that being said, for y'all's situational awareness, Blake, what is your number one good football game within the Pac-12 that you're most looking forward to this next year? Yeah, there's three that stands out, but I'm just going to go kind of with the traditional just USC-Notre Dame. Um, I'm a big Marcus Freeman stan, and it really sucks that he has to join in like the evil alliance that is Notre Dame, but... I think this man, this man can recruit for sure. Like he, I think is going to elevate Notre Dame's recruiting level to a whole, like a whole different region. Just because I think him and the school are on the same side that Notre Dame can't be so strict on these football players in order to get good recruits. So I think he's going to be great on the recruiting trail. And then I want to see what he can do actually in a game. And then I also want to see what the heck is this USC Lincoln Riley team going to be? Because I think besides Utah, every other team they're playing in this conference is relatively weak. They don't really have a good non-conference schedule. So really there's only two games on their calendar that I'm circling to see, okay, this is the measuring stick. What is this USC team? And so that I think is just going to be a great classic of two coaches that are one coaching for the first time, like their first year, but also Lincoln Riley, another program. I just think will be a fantastic watch. Great colors, great colors looking on the field too. Just like a fantastic game to look at. So color matchups are important. Jameson, when you're looking at your favorite game from supposed to be within the Pac-12, Blake took a non-conference. Uh, it's all right though because it was exciting. But uh, Jameson, what do you? It's have basically here? a conference. A conference. It will be a conference game in like three or four years when when Notre Dame joins the to the Big Ten. Maybe. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I, I think it's got to be USC at Utah October fifteenth because all eyes are going to be on USC. We already talked about that, and especially being an OU podcast, we're going to talk about USC a lot. And to be honest with you, I feel like a lot of. Um, t- like fans across the nation and then in Oklahoma are going to be kind of nervous or excited at USC going to that football game because their schedule before that is Rice, Stanford, Fresno, Oregon State, Arizona State, Washington State. I understand Oregon State at Oregon State's a little bit scary, but for the majority of that part, there's not a lot of big-time games that they're playing, and they could absolutely be undefeated going into that game versus Utah. And it's going to make – like. 
are they going to show up for the big game? Are they going to come out on the big stage when everyone's going to watch them? I would not be surprised at all if it's college game day. I don't know what else is going on that week, but that's going to be a very, very, you know, a lot of eyeballs on that because it's legitimately Lincoln Riley saying I'm legitimate coach. I didn't just do it at Oklahoma. I can come and take over USC and make a legitimate program, or it could turn really quick on him if they lose that game handily. And going into Utah is a really tough environment. For sure. I, I will tell you guys right now, I think as USC rolls into that game against Utah on, what is it, October 15th, you said? I'm telling you guys right now, Utah or USC will have already stumbled. I'm calling it. And that leads me to what I think is, I can't believe it was left off the board, uh, just judging by how we discussed our, our favorites. I'm loving November 19th in Eugene, Oregon, Utah, Oregon. It is two weeks before the Pac-12 championship game. And I think that, you know, even giving credit to USC, I think there are so many potential scenarios within the Pac-12 where this game, this Utah-Oregon game, two weeks from the Pac-12 championship game, is the one that determines who's going to be playing in the conference championship. This really is giving me uh, the sort of vibes of a traditional OU sort of down year Bedlam game where it's who wins Bedlam that's going to determine who is playing. Does it necessarily mean that both teams are going to be playing? Is it going to determine who's the favorite in the championship game? Does it, is there going to be tie-ins? I think there are so many implications to this one. And I understand that the sort of broader thinking past this season, you know, Lincoln Riley putting his stamp on a program and, and things like that, that you can talk about with storylines for other things. But I think that, when I'm looking at all the Pac-12 schedules this season, I don't see a game that is more consequential in more iterations of scenarios than this Oregon-Utah game. I think this one, in so many potential scenarios, because we don't know what's going to happen, this one is going to maintain relevance. This could be a game that has relevance towards someone going to the playoffs or not even. So I I am very excited for uh, this game. It's a long way down the road, but November 19th, the Utes going up to Eugene and playing Oregon. Give me some sickos because I've got one I've been really excited yeah, about. All right. The whole time all right. All right. So those about. are the those are the good games. Those are the good games. Now the sickos games, the ones that you just have a weird affinity to, uh, we'll do sort of a, a reverse snake order, I guess. So um I, actually I'll let you take this one, Jameson, since you're really excited. I, I think that Blake might have the same one, and it's got to be Arizona versus Arizona State on the last like game of the year. And it's Friday after Thanksgiving, which makes it even more fun. So it's in that kind of like more narrow time slot where I'm not swamped with a bunch of other games. It's at one o'clock, you know, on that Friday. That is prime time, you know, uh, on Black Friday that no one goes out and shops anymore. You're on your laptop sitting on your couch being a lazy bum, and you turn on the TV and you're watching Arizona, Arizona State, and you're like, hmm, this isn't that good, but whatever. And those teams we already talked about earlier in the podcast, that could be an absolute gross matchup between two teams. And if Arizona could come out and beat Arizona State, that would be pretty funny. Um, but we would love to see Arizona State stumble this year. Blake, what is your sickos game of the Pac-12 for 2022? I'm going another rivalry game. Jameson had a great pick. Uh, that is definitely in my top, but I'm going to get weird. Go Apple Cup, Washington, Washington State. Typically, Washington State hasn't been good in this rivalry, especially under Mike Leach, but last year they reversed the curse. And I want to see Michael Penix Jr. Just in wanted big, to say the name again. <laughs> in a big rivalry game when it really matters. We know uh, Washington State fired their coach last year after some questionable COVID stuff. And we get DeBoer in Washington. It's new blood in a rivalry. And I love seeing two brand new coaches at respective schools. Who's going to set the pace first? I like Washington State in this. I think Washington, like, I know Washington was my dark horse, but I, oh, I just. What's going on here? I want to see. I, okay, I, all right. Washington State could be, like, they always, I feel, like, or last year, like, even last year, they went 7-6, and their coach uh, got fired midseason. And it's just, mm-hmm. like, 
they always seem, they don't recruit any good talent. They're in the middle of absolute nowhere. That's why, like, out of all the P5 schools, they're probably on the doormat of ones that are going to get left behind in the conferences, but they always, like, kind of have a decent team. Like, even if they're, like, a 5 win team, they're one of the better ones. So, I don't know. I like it. It's frisky. I like the Apple Cup. I like kind of, I just, I, I like the vibes of the Pac-12. Like, Pacific Northwest is one of my favorite regions. I like the mountains with Utah and Colorado. I like the desert a little bit. Just good vibes all around. So, I want to get the Pacific Northwest rivalry down there. For me, it's got to be, I alluded to it earlier. I, I gave Blake a hard time for picking a, what is technically a non-conference game. But uh-huh. I, I'm going to make the same argument that Blake did. It's funny that he made this argument because this is the argument that I had pre-prepared for justifying this one. I think in five years' time, this will be a conference game, just like Blake said about USC Notre Dame. Give me for my sickos game, set in the scene September 10th, Oklahoma. We're in Oklahoma on September 10th. Maybe we get that first chill, that first hint that first little nibble of fall is coming on September 10th because we have a 6:30 kick for the Arizona State Sun Devils and the Oklahoma State Cowboys in Stillwater. <laughs> I cannot, oh my god! I cannot describe how happy I am for this matchup. Both of them prominently feature orange. That's an important thing to remember. But it's Both like two different colors of oranges. They're gonna they be. Are it's true. gonna well, be oh, disgusting. Yeah. No one has the brightest orange. It's gonna be gross. I don't know what uh, uh, uniform matchups we're gonna see here. This is an evening one. I think this might be Oklahoma State's one of their first. This will certainly be their first evening one, uh, making it on national TV. So maybe some some black uniforms and so this. There's some cool uniform combination potential here. I'm so happy. This one might not be up there for me. If it were a an 11 a.m. game, but 6:30, uh, I love this time slot for this, and I just think it's Arizona State. You know, we talked a lot about who knows, probably a team that's going to greatly underperform expectations, like we talked about. Oklahoma State obviously is an OU podcast. Uh, we have to be down on Oklahoma State. I am not buying anything, any sort of hype from Oklahoma State this year. I know noted OSU shill and sleeper agent Bobby Howard would disagree with me. Uh, He's known to be actually an Oklahoma State uh, sleeper agent, just infiltrating his way into the OU system uh, to tear it down from the inside. But uh, I I love this one. This is one that I'm so looking forward to to watching. This is one that I would seriously consider maybe heading up to Stillwater myself. And if you do, if you choose to, I think this is a really interesting out-of-conference matchup. It's accessible for, I would assume, most of our viewers being an Oklahoma podcast. And uh, I love Stillwater for uh, for tailgating at game days. Uh, usually, I think it's a, a great little atmosphere. And I'm very excited for this game as a sickos guy. I think there's no national relevance. There's no... the the waves caused by the splash of this game ripple to nowhere. It's almost a, it, it's as inconsequential of a fairly big brand game as you can get. And I love that. And I am you saying place that at the time, same time about. slot. Yeah. And you're going to be up in Stillwater either way. Maybe <laughs> Kent because State. who is <laughs> yeah, Kent State on pay-per-view? Give me Oklahoma state and Arizona state. Is that is the Kent State game on uh, ESPN Plus now? Yes. Yeah, we don't yes. do free advertisements. Whoa, 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 um, whoa, whoa. Bobby's going to explode <laughs> when Bobby's given the access to ESPN Plus content. <laughs> Look at his Twitter feed lately. He's like, oh, my God, I get to pay 10 bucks a month. Oh, yeah, I get to watch OU stuff. <laughs> Bobby, funny. it was free before. It was free it's, before. <laughs> it's funny. It is funny for two reasons. One, like you mentioned, all the things that Bobby is now just absolutely he's, he's not just loving ESPN for posting was free on YouTube up to like a week ago. And now it's not because now it's owned by Disney and they're going to make him pay for it. And two, Bobby hated ESPN Plus last year because he signed up for it like a year and a half earlier for a free trial and then forgot and then unknowingly paid them hundreds of dollars over the course of like a year and a half and then swore them off until OU signed a deal with them, and now he's their number one biggest fan. So, hypocrite, sleeper agent for OSU Bobby, uh, as we all know. But uh, He signed up yeah. for a Kansas non-conference game, and that's what's got him stuck in the subscription. 
which you deserve. You you certainly deserve. So uh, oh, with yeah. that, we sort of went out of order for our pre-planned order. But uh, thank you, everyone, for listening and, and tuning in if you tuned in and if you listened. If you listened this far to the end, uh, we thank you very much. And again, special thank you to our sponsors at DraftKings and the Pigskin Podcast Network that we are a member of. Uh, Blake, do you have any closing words before we let you go? Nope, I'm just excited to be playing uh, games consistently against Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah in the coming years. So, happy sure. to have you all in our conference. For sure. Uh, okay, also, I will say this. I, like, splurged. I was, like, had to, I took off time, everything. I'm, like, TCU at Boulder to start the season. I'm, like, oh, my God, this is a dream come true. I get to see a TCU game with the mountains because there's nothing. You cannot convince me otherwise. The best backdrop for a college football game is the mountains. A nice, crisp, 50, 60-degree night. Cool weather. I love that. Yeah. I think I already know where this story's going. And so I, like, buy tickets. Like, I'm going with my family. Made a family vacation out of it. I took off the time. I spent, like, all my vacation days. And then, like, oh, immediately no. after, they're like, and Colorado <laughs> might come to the Big 12. I'm like, well, this isn't as special as before, but I'm excited to I'm excited to watch some nice, crisp, cool football on a Friday of the Friday of week one. So... Okay, that's not where I thought it was going, but yeah, uh, Boulder, I think, ooh, can't be a replaced atmosphere. Glad they're coming back to the uh, the Big 12. Jameson, any closing words? Nothing I'm excited for you, Blake. All right, and with that, this has been uh, the weekend spread by the Schooner Pod, uh, Pac-12 preview for 2022. Thank you all very much, and good night. <laughs>